Welcome to the Highly Objective Podcast, where we talk to cannabis industry executives and investors and go into the weeds on recent news. Hey, Sock. Um, so big news, uh, Jane launching a point of sale system. Excited to have you tell us more about it. So I'll let you get into it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Day. It's always uh, always good to be on the show with you and as we were talking before the recording, man, just uh, thanks for everything you're doing uh, by shining an objective light on, on this industry and and what's going on. Because to be honest with you, I I, uh, I use your newsletter a lot to keep a finger on the pulse. So appreciate you, man. And it's thanks. great to be on. Um, I think the last time we came on was about the the launch of the uh, the iOS app, and then before that, maybe the the Series C. So this is in in exactly. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's time flies, man. Um, but now we're launching this point of sale, so we're really excited to um, announce it this week. We've been hard at work over the past year putting this thing together, and um, really excited to bring it to market and continue to to help the industry as best as we know how. And, and so let's walk it back. When did you think that Jane needed to have a, a point of sale system? It's great, it's great question. So um, we started uh, really. We, we launched Jane with three big intentions at the at the beginning of it. Um, the first was to create a a um, a core product that was the leading uh, core product in its class, and so that's what we did with our e-commerce um, product. We launched it in 2017. We now power you know 2,500, 3,000 operators across the country, very large operators, small operators. We say the right operators um, in North America. So very excited for that. The second goal for us um, in launching Jane six years ago was, in, in, in addition to being building a dominant core product, it was to use that core product to accomplish two things. One was to open up distribution, which we did with over 3,000 operators using our, our software. And also, and probably most important, was use it as a vehicle through which we could organize and collect industry information. Um, uh, and, and what we mean by that is, we now understand, A, where every single SKU sits in North America, and B, what those SKUs are. We have we have over one and a half, 1.6 million SKUs in our UPC, our Universal Product Catalog, uh, for the industry. And we've worked painstakingly hard to, to continue to stay disciplined and, and cleanse that data set. Our IP really was built on the ability to identify and locate that individual SKU in real time. And that will actually come into play as we talk about this point of sale further in the show. But that was a very core piece that we wanted to, to figure out early on in the launch of Jane. So those three things, just to recap, launch a core product that, that we felt could lead the industry. Uh, we've done that with our e-commerce. We opened up a, a ton of uh, doors in, in creating a large distribution network. And then in doing so, really organizing, collecting product information market basket information across the industry. So that was about till about 2021. And then we raised uh, a large Series C um, with the intention to accomplish three more things because the, the next chapter of Jane. And that was to take our core e-commerce product, create adjacent business lines, not features, but actual legitimate business lines adjacent to the e-commerce SaaS business, and then use that to sell into our existing network. We don't really need to open up any new doors. We, we've worked very hard to do that. And in doing so now get through profitability. 
And so when we saw the opportunity to, to do that, where was the kind of revenue accretive businesses in the space? For those that have been in this space for a while, SaaS is a lost leader, right? No one is going to get profitable off SaaS in, in cannabis. And it's, it's, it's very hard to do. It's just, it's um, the demand on the software companies is too large for the amount that the market is willing to pay. And that's just natural economics. That's fine. In other industries, though, these SaaS businesses have the ability to monetize on the GMV by either taking a large take rate like a DoorDash or an Uber or getting involved in payments and basically collecting pennies on millions and millions and millions of transactions, a la Square, a la Toast, et cetera. So if you take a look at um, where, where the, the revenue is in this space, it's really in two areas beyond SaaS. One, it's in advertising. And so we work very hard by taking our catalog and creating an advertising platform that has the largest ROI. I think we guarantee, not guarantee, but right now we average about a seven, $8 ROAS on every dollar spent. And we have the deepest at levels of attribution on our advertising. So that's, that's generating a new business line for us outside of e-commerce. And now second to that is in getting involved in in-store infrastructure and payments, right? PinDebit is becoming more and more of a very popular thing. The ability to monetize on actually the transaction itself. Well, if you think about, um, you know, just launching a payments business, payments is a commodity. It's not like some special technology to allow for payments. It's not cryptocurrency. It's not offering a new coin. It's basically taking infrastructure that has been around for decades and pulling that into, you know, your software ecosystem and applying it here in the cannabis space. Well, in order for us to, to take this payments commodity, we had to insert it into a point of sale. And so that's, that really was the impetus for us in 2021 to say, okay, now is the time to take our core product in e-commerce. We're showing promise in our ability to take our catalog and, and stand up a new business line in advertising. Well, now can we do this in point of sale with the intention to also bring along payments so that we as a company can get through profitability and not have to increase our SaaS business you know, and, and the cost we charge to our retailers exponentially, because that's not a that's not a viable business model either. So it was almost um, less so trying to compete with the market and more so trying to kind of listen to where the market was telling us the value was. And that was in advertising and payments. And that's where that's where we're taking the business next. And did you kind of draw parallels from sort of small business and restaurants, you know, with Square, with Toast, right? Square today, as a part of uh, the parent company, Block, it's a $40 billion market cap. Toast is $11.5 billion. So kind of looking at where the next iteration for Jane is to get to kind of that bigger valuation, did you kind of draw inspiration from those companies? It, it was a natural, we saw the verticalization of brick and mortar technology was there. Um, I, I want to spend some time on the restaurant technology for a second, if that's if that's okay, Dave, because there is some nuance there. So what we saw with Square and Toast verticalizing was we were said, okay, that's the play. It's not like, and, and no disrespect to Toast or Square, they're you know very large technological companies that have gone from zero to one. I have nothing but respect for them, 
But in terms of core technology, it, it, it's not like, you know, it's, it, it's groundbreaking. You know, what Square did 20 years ago was groundbreaking. But today, their point of sale, I think they might even give it away for free. Right. So they they said, OK, let us devalue all of our software and let's hold the margin on payments. Let's hold the margin on offering banking services. So we saw that that play and it, you know, from an 80,000 foot view, we are replicating that playbook. But the nuance is we have a catalog that Toast and Square don't have. So we can do some very interesting things with the point of sale itself, quite frankly, that we can do online that no one else can do. But we're very excited to bring this in, into the store and happy to share some highlights on, on what I mean by that, that a square and a toast cannot do. And that's what's really exciting for me and my team. And quite frankly, some of the, the early users of our point of sale are start, starting to see benefits of that. And that's where taking the seven years of work that we did on, the, on, on building this catalog and inserting it inside the point of sale we think we can actually take things to a level that Toast and Square can't can't do in the restaurant space. Yeah, I'd love to hear those use cases because yeah, I, I think it's great that you point out, you know, your catalog is very different, right? They're unable, it doesn't make sense for the restaurant space to catalog a bagel or a pizza or anything like that. But you guys have actual brands and SKUs. So we'd love to hear exactly. some that are resonating with early customers. Exactly. So and you you hit it, Day. The Big Mac at uh, McDonald's isn't a packaged good that gets sold at Chick-fil-A and also gets sold at Burger King. and Right, so Big Mac can control their product set and only have it, or McDonald's can only can control their product set and only have it for McDonald's. In cannabis, this is a traditionally a CPG vertical, meaning you have wild gummies and wanna gummies and Stizzy and Jeter and can being sold across multiple retailers. And so because we have this catalog now, this is where the catalog can benefit brick and mortar retailers, you know, on, on day one of using our platform. There's three kind of uh, use cases that I like to highlight amongst others, but here are, the, here are the big ones. The first one is in the switching costs. So if you're using a... Uh, a point of sale right now, traditional point of sale in cannabis, um, and you want to switch to another traditional point of sale, not, not a Jane point of sale, what you will have to do from a retail staff standpoint is you will have to upload the information into your new point of sale, which is very cumbersome. In a, I can kind of swear here. Let's see, it's a big pain in the ass, man. It's, it's, it's hard, right? Imagine me on a retail floor. You carry 700 SKUs live on your store shelf today. You have to transfer those SKUs. You have to upload the photo. You have to write the description. You have to make sure that the serving size is correct. The taxonomy is correct. You're putting it into the right fields. That takes weeks, weeks. And that's why people don't really want to switch their point of sale, even though their current point of sale might not be the, the, the best point of sale out there. But we hear, we've heard it a ton, like, man, switching a point of sale is a real pain in the ass. I don't, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to shut my staff down and my store down for a couple of weeks. Well, the Jane point of sale comes with 1.6 million SKUs already uploaded into the system. And so whether you're in, and we work in 39 state markets, 
across the country, whatever state you're in, you can simply switch the, the, your current point of sale, your legacy point of sale into the Jane point of sale. We will have, all we need is your API key. We will have uploaded all your live inventory with all consumer product reviews, descriptions, photos, taxonomy, serving size, lab results uploaded so that your switching costs go from two weeks to two hours. So that, that's just one example of the power of having a catalog in there. I, I won't get into the nuance too of like, well, what if I spell my wild gummies with three W's, for instance, and the other store spells it with two W's? Well, we have all through, through machine learning, we can cleanse that in real time. That's where our patents come in. So really, it's almost instantaneously. That's a big one. Uh, so we're giving freedom back to the retailers so they don't feel so hamstrung and like tied down by their technology. They can say, hey, I, I want to move and I can move same day. Second piece is um, bringing the experience that we love as shoppers online into the in-store environment. Like the worst thing about shopping online is I can't touch it. I can't see it. Really, I can't feel it. You can't smell it anymore, but you used to be able to, right? You you use that, you lose that uh, that feeling. But here's what I do love about online. I can read reviews. I get recommendations, right? That are curated to me. I can com compare side by side. You know, if I put a product into my cart, you know, the e-commerce uh, platform tells me, hey, Sock, because you put this in your cart, you might want to take a look at these items. 90% of people also paired it with this. Um, and then when you walk into a store, you're almost flying blind. Well, the beautiful thing about cannabis is that you have to show your ID. It's like a nightclub. You have to show your ID, for better or worse, before you step into this, the store. Well, this is one of the few retail stores where we get to identify the customer before the customer ever walks uh, in, inside that store. So now imagine, day you walk in, we know based on your online profile or previous in-store profile, what you've purchased in the past, how, when is the last time you visited, what's your price point, what are your brands that you gravitate to, what are things that you absolutely do not have an interest in. All that information does a few things. One, for, you know, when, when you as the consumer are walking through the, the store, maybe in-store displays change that only you're seeing advertisements or educational information that are pertinent only to you. Or when you're up to the counter and you're about to check out, imagine having things where it's like, hey, Day, here's your cart items, validate that. Oh, by the way, if you have these items in your cart, you might wanna take a look at these things. Or we notice that you love things like that help you go to sleep or high in CBN. Here are some things that you might've missed in store. And then, what, we, what we're very excited about is putting that in the hands of the bud tenders as well. So that now a bud tender, when you, you know, here's the, your prototypical anecdote or, or cliched story where you say, oh, bud tender, you know, what, what do you want? And they give you the highest THC percentage or whatever they, they like, which is fine. But now they're not flying blind. Now they have Dave's profile in the point of sale because you scanned in and they say, oh, hey, we know you love things high in CBD. We know you like things in tincture. Hey, we're doing this special on two to one tincture here. L let me let me give that to you. That is something that technology should be able to to be used as a tool for these these butt tenders, and we just haven't seen that not in cannabis, not outside of cannabis. Um, imagine going into last thing on this, and then I'll, I'll share my third point. 
Imagine going into a store. There's a long line on a Friday or you know July 4th weekend is coming up. Going to a kiosk, signing in, saying, hey, I'm, I'm Day. They, we recognize exactly the products that you like. We can recommend those products that are sitting at that on that store shelf to you. You can check out. You can pay with your debit. Someone brings out a bag and, and away you go. You're not waiting in a long line if you know what you want. So that's the benefit of putting the catalog in, in inside the point of sale. The last thing I'll say is, is around data and analytics. Now, you know, our, our retail partners love using Jane online because it tells them the truth. There's no hand wavy stuff. There's no pivot tables that they need to do. We're like, here are the exact SKUs that got purchased these times. Well, now if you can marry that to the offline world and in-store, now what these retailers have is, is a complete 100% factual picture of every single SKU that's going that's being purchased, whether that's online, from an in-store kiosk, or inside the store via the point of sale. Now we give them a full picture, and anytime you have a full picture with the data, you can make smarter decisions. So it's not only helping with the data, it's not only helping with the consumer, it's also helping with the switching costs. And again, that's, that's what we have that no other platform has because we spent six, seven years building the UPC for cannabis. And now we can inject that into an e-commerce business and ads business. And now very excited to inject this into a point of sale business. Great. And want to go back to your second point. So you're kind of marrying this online data and sort of profile that you have and now bring it in store. So if, if I'm just browsing, I'm not purchasing anything on some of these websites. Are you able to track that with cookies as well? So you can see I browse packs, but maybe didn't buy it. Well, um, we're, we're not to that level of sophistication. We also want to be good stewards of, you know, people who don't want to be identified. Let's not identify them. But if you're a registered user on our platform, man, like, and you, and you're like, Hey, yes, tr please track me. So that when I go into a store, I get better recommendations. We can do that. I think further down the road day, this is, this is definitely potential for us. Uh, but right now it will just be for folks who, who have registered and volunteered to say, Hey, you can you can track me. I'm gonna I'm gonna register with you guys because I want more curation and more convenience. Right. So if, if I create a profile through Jane and I say you can feel free to track me across multiple e-commerce stores, then you guys can actually see like my preferences. Exactly. Okay. Exactly right. Exactly. But if you're just popping in this guest, we we wouldn't be able to tell. And then going back to you know helping the bud tender sort of identify the preferences of a customer, are, are you talking about in addition to your POS in-store? They have handheld devices that are are gonna you know help. Yes. With that. However, they want to set it up. If they want to set it up behind the counter, a lot of these stores like this kind of quote unquote Apple Store vibe, where you have attendants walking around with the with the uh, with the iPad. Exactly. Imagine scanning in. We're like, man, day shopped here three weeks ago. He bought these items. That would be amazing information for me to pull up and have at my fingertips as I was a butt tender. And that's what we can do at scale and really kind of turnkey for our retail partners. Yeah, and I think it just goes back to the store wanting to make that investment, right? If you're going to do 10 iPhones, uh, you know, uh, 10 Gs right there, so they, they have to really want to invest in sort of that customer experience. That's it, man. And and that's that's a great point because what we've seen the trend go from uh, in, in the dispensaries where you talk to a dispensary in 2020, all they cared about or really what was top of mind for them was getting the customer in and out, get them in, get them out throughput, right? Like make this as efficient as absolutely possible, particularly during COVID days when you couldn't really walk around inside the store and you had lines backing up. 
Now that things are getting more competitive, well, now retailers care about throughput and they care about the in-store experience. Now they're really focusing on, okay, can this customer come, will this customer come back and visit me in two weeks? That's what they're really focused on. And the way you do that is you carry the right products at the right price and you, and you, and you provide great service. That's personal, that's professional, that's helpful. That, that's retail, oversimplified, but that's retail. And technology should be able to enable that rather than get in the way of that. And that's, that's what we hope to, to do with this point of sale. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to touch on the data analytics piece. So are you helping retailers with inventory and out of stock and you know maybe ordering as, as well for that right mix? Yeah, so we don't quite get to the ordering on the wholesale. But if you think about what we have, we know in real time every single SKU that sits on a store shelf. And not just a, a single store shelf, but a large MSO can take a look and say, track this one SKU across my entire portfolio of retail locations in 14 state markets. We can do that in real time. What, what we can also do um, is we know the live consumption rate of that individual SKU. We actually know it today, day, because we integrate with over 70 point of sales. But if we say, okay, you carry this one-to-one uh, -one pomegranate wild gummy on your store shelf, well, you, you have seven of them left. On average, you know, you go through seven of them in a day. Well, we can notify the retailer that this product is going to run out of stock. And then in conversations now with other wholesale providers as to one day maybe connecting that dot and doing just-in-time inventory, because that's the holy grail, right? I know you're studying alcohol as well. That is the holy grail, and there's a lot of inefficiency there, and maybe perhaps that's that's our next adjacency, but really focused right now on servicing the retailer to the consumer, and then one day maybe it's the retailer up to the wholesaler down the road. So then does that put you in, in uh, you know competition with like a hoodie analytics and pistol for that data? Because that's what they do, right? And then are you then also competing with like a headset and a BDSA from you know sort of their offering to retailers? Yeah, I think you know, anytime. It's not, it's not a large data set in Canada. It, it's large in the sense that it's, you know, tens of billions of dollars worth of, of, uh, of value. Um, but it's not like hundreds of thousands of retailers. So we're going to bounce into one another. Um, I think it just comes down to, you know, A, who are your customers? I know Hoodie and Pistol really sell to like... Um, Whole, wholesale salespeople, you know, pushing the brands to the retailers. Yeah. They give that information but, out to them. I just imagine you could also give them that same kind of information, right? Because I think the use cases for those are like, if I'm trying to sell a new flower brand in Missouri, now I can use either of those two platforms. I can see what my you know, competitors are, are selling into, but couldn't you have that data already? So yes, in theory, you, you could. And we have it down cleansed in real time to, uh, to the SKU. I know for a fact that um, one of those companies mentioned is scraping Jane's uh, website right now, pulling that information to use as, as their own data set, but that's for maybe a different call. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's out there in terms of uh, data scraping. <laughs> sure. And like, cool, if that's how we're going to help the industry, great. If they want to kind of piggyback on our on our. Well, and, and that's why I bring so it up with, with you, Saw, because I just want to make sure that, you know, look, when, when people sometimes are shopping for these solutions, they may think that's one or, or two solutions to even check out. But if you guys are offering it and they're already using you for e-commerce, 
then make sure to you know, also look at Jane because then you don't have another vendor that you're paying to and you might just give that data away because they're a customer on the POS. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I would say anytime you're you kind of thinking about purchasing data, I would, I would, and if you're a Jane, Jane partner, please reach out to us and maybe we could just give that to you as being on our ecosystem, um, which is what we like to do. We don't really like to sell sell data because um, the data is owned by by the retailers. I think what headset and BDS are trying to do though is is get a very high level view and then be able to to to, to sell those high level insights on an aggregated state level or nation nationwide. That's not really what we're we're looking to do yet either. So I think there's plenty of room, um, but it all comes down to who has the the live actionable cleansed information. I, I would argue that Jane should be in that that conversation every single time. Right, because I, as I think about new states, new retailers opening up, um, let's say New York, right? There's like 12 stores today as, as we're speaking. Let's say there'll be a hundred by year end. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to start a new store, you can just start with Jane, plug in and say, here are the, you know, whatever, 100, 200 SKUs available to me, but I can get an online presence up and running. I can get a POS and really like have the infrastructure to run my store through Jane. Exactly. One of the most, not one of the most popular brands or one of the most popular categories. Like everybody knows flowers, the most popular category. And then it's, you know, edibles and extracts like it's pretty pretty common that's not really helpful what was really helpful if i'm opening up a store in new york is to understand i'm in this zip code what are the SKUs that i should be carrying what's the price sensitivity against each of these SKUs? what's the retention on these SKUs? what's a complement or a substitute against these SKUs? so i can start putting together a portfolio of products that I can put on my store shelf down to the SKU level and that's Really, the only place that really has that in real time is, is Jane. Great. And, and then that, that's very helpful to understand how to use Jane as a new store or, you know, one that's switching over. So I just want to take it back a moment um, as we were kind of talking about restaurant and service industry, POS. Um, is there a market leader today for like the liquor retailer? Um, you know, is it Lightspeed? Uh, what are they using? Because that's probably more of a comparable from a CPG standpoint for what you're building in cannabis. Yeah. It is. It's like Lightspeed. It's Square. Toast in the in the restaurant world. NCR still has a very large presence. They're a legacy provider, but they're there. Um, Micros, like very old. And the reason behind that day was is because people thought a point of sale was a glorified cash register of like, okay, I can ring up a sale and that's it. I could track my customers. What we're trying to create is like the intelligence hub for your retail platform so like lightspeed might be servicing i know this because the individual who built the enterprise point of sale for lightspeed is an investor and actually our vp of engineering his name is justin lang um and so lightspeed got uh very popular in the bike part uh space Right. If you want to do like bike shops, they, they were the point of sale for that. A lot of moving pieces, et cetera. But they didn't have a catalog of all the hundreds of thousands of bike parts in the country. They still would require, and I don't know if they still do today, but I'm pretty certain they do, would require a bike um, store. If you're going to, if you and I wanted to open up a bike shop, like we would have to upload and say, okay, this product's on our store shelf. Let's load that into the point of sale system. There, there is no point of sale in the world 
that comes preloaded with a catalog of all SKUs in that respective uh, retail vertical, period. Not for clothing, not for groceries, not for alcohol, and certainly not for, for cannabis. Yeah, I'm shocked to hear that from an alcohol standpoint. I mean, we we know the brands are out there. Uh, right. You know, I, I don't know the exact number of SKUs, but I actually can't imagine it to be too far off from cannabis. So I'm surprised no one's gone after that vertical. And again, it has some of the same challenges that cannabis does, right? There's like 10 kind of state-run uh, retail store. Me here in, in Pennsylvania, the state essentially runs it. So I don't have a lot of craft choice or, or smaller choices. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that no one's kind of gone after that the way you guys and, and your competitors are going after being the POS system for that industry. Yeah. So MIT, um, a, a lot of the founding members came from MIT. They wrote this case study on our business. And uh, it was like a year in. I'll never forget. I was like, oh, man, we're, we're like some visionary tech entrepreneurs. MIT is going to write a case study. And that was not the case, by the way. The professor was very clear. He's like, yeah, you guys are still very young. And like, we don't know about the tech. But what is what caught his attention? His name is Scott Stern um, at MIT. What caught his attention? And he sat us down in like kind of this moment. I'll never forget. He was like, guys. Do you understand the position that you're in? And we're like, obviously not. <laughs> um, he's like, okay, let me let me make it clear for you. You as a tech startup, a, a small company, have the opportunity to organize and collect an entire industry's worth of information before Google, before Amazon, before all these other big companies. So so essentially, don't don't mess it up. And so if you think about what, and, and it, it plagues companies like Weedmaps and Leafly today, very big, they have initiatives moving, they have other businesses, for them to now go back into Oregon and try to parse out all the SKUs, identify all the misspellings and abbreviations of all these SKUs, train an ML algorithm, and then inject that into other business lines, that is a major undertaking. But the fact that we were able like I think 80% of building a successful business, and I'm not claiming that we have yet, but 80% of it in my, in my research has largely been based upon timing and position. And the fact that we launched Jane in 2017, when there was only really at that point, three legal state markets in Oregon, Washington, and Colorado. Well, now we could catch up with them. And now every state market that we opened up that went legal, we were like literally on the ground there collecting all the product information. So when Pennsylvania opened up, guess what? We injected all of Pennsylvania's catalog, Maryland. Now it's coming onto our catalog, New York. And now we can, now we can do this in a very scalable way. And it's, if you know stuff about, you know, pattern matching algorithms, you're training the algorithm that we've been training now for six, seven years. So we're a lot more efficient now. It's going to be very hard for a competitor to come in and say, okay, you know what? Don't do anything. Collect all the SKUs out there. Train an algorithm to identify all the, the, the misspellings inside the point of sale. So you have to actually get access inside the point of sale to, to, to train the algorithm. And then now we can get on parity with Jane. That's a big undertaking. And this is why you see a lot of our competitors scraping our, our data set because they, they don't want to do that hard work. And you know that puts us in, a, in an advantageous position, but we have to continue to earn that earn that seat by staying disciplined and organizing all the new products and in, being ingested into our ecosystem.
No, no, I think, you know, every conversation I have with you or other folks at Jane, kind of the, the data and that catalog is kind of the gold mine that you sort of build on top of. Yeah. And that that's, um, you know, we have a lot of, one thing we didn't talk about was there's a lot of X square employees at Jane. Um, and I, we share a lot of the same ethos as square. Um, we're now called block, but back in the day, square cared about providing access to the economy for all, all sizes of business, big, small, right. That, that was their big, big play. Um, not overlooking the the small guys. Well, we, we don't want to overlook the cannabis retailer and good enough is no longer good enough. And to say like, Hey, yeah, you're going to switch the point of sale, but it's going to take you two, three weeks and your data is not going to be married up to online. And man, even though you might be have a dispensary of six locations, we can't tell you in aggregate how those six locations work. You have to, you know, study each one individually, which is not scalable or helpful. Well, all these guys from Square, like lead designer, lead PM, who built Square's point of sale are coming over to Jane and have spent the past few years helping build the Jane point of sale. In fact, we had, um, you know, our, our former advisor was Bob Lee, the former CTO of Square. Uh, who 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 recently passed away? Um, he was very excited about what we were building because for the first time ever we had a catalog, and now what that makes Jane Point of Sale is much broader than just a glorified cash register. Now it really could be the digital hub for your retail environment that touches consumer, that touches payments, that touches advertisement, that touches wholesale inventory, analytics, right? Other services. That is, that's the future of digital retail. And that is taking all the best learnings that we've learned from online and putting that inside the store. That's what gets our, our employees excited. And, and quite finally, it's getting the, the market excited too. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're looking forward to bringing this at scale in, into the industry here, because I, I think it, it will be revolutionary. So uh, you got previous Square employees, Lightspeed. I assume there's probably someone from Toast too then, if that's the case. You know, no, Toast is, a, is uh, a lot of them have gone to Dutchie, actually. Um, but it's it's great to see, you know, folks seeing seeing the cannabis industry as the future of perhaps a blank canvas to, to build, you know, retail 3.0. And um, yeah, if they can't do it, then who can, you know? The collective yeah. day. Like, I just, know, just that the guys that to, to me, kind of like a, a funny thing that you got these uh, other apps. <laughs> Retail restaurant POS guys going to your competitor and, and the other guys are coming. It's hey. good. It's good. It's a good sign, you know. And um, hopefully, you know, both 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 teams can continue to innovate. That's that's key, and not just copy, not just say, "Hey, what what was great five years ago?" No, again, Toast was and Square, man, innovative, but that's in the past. What are we learning from them, and what can we apply that's even more innovative than what they're currently doing? That's that's what we have our sights set on. No, that that's a great point. Um, and, and look uh, to to kind of connect that. So currently, you're testing it with about three dozen partners. Uh, you expect to be in about 400 stores by year end. So kind of bridge the gap for me. How, how do you go from call 36 to 400? Is that a lot of just getting your current customers on it? Um, how much of that exactly is replacing other POS? Yeah, it will be replacing the point of sale. Like we we talked about earlier, we worked very hard of opening up our distribution through our e-commerce offering, and now taking the e-commerce offering that we have with our existing network, we already 
sell a lot of advertisements alongside that. And now it would just be another adjacency in, in, in the point of sale. So yes. Um, so who, who be, do you think you're going to rip out, uh, you know, of that 300 and, and change? Whoever they're using. Okay. So across the board, very confident, whether it's, you know, any of your competitors or, or something. Yeah. And, we, and, and to be clear too, Dave, we, we're not like, oh man, we have this logo circled and we're just going to build to beat this company. Because quite frankly, that is a, that is a way to not innovate by trying to beat a competitor. What we're trying to do is say, okay, what is universal? What can work across every state market, big, small retailer, that's medical, adult use. And so by the nature of building that, yes, we will be competing with other point of sales, but I have nothing but respect for all the point of sales. Building point of sale is freaking hard, hard to do, especially in this space. And I respect every single company that's done that. But what we're trying to do is take things to the next level. And we feel like we have the funding, the team, and the technology to do that at a time when most point of sales are pulling back. When most point of sales are just trying to keep the lights on, Jane, and it's been our com commitment ever since we started this company, would be to continue to innovate in the space and set our retailers and brands up for success for, the, for one day this thing being legal. And now we're not sitting on technology that's just good enough for Uber and Square and Toast to just roll in and, and take advantage of us, just like they do with every, most other retail verticals, but to really build our own ecosystem that's fair, that's balanced, that's transparent, that's scalable. That's what we're committed to. And, and we found retailers that, that will do that. That's where we're confident into getting into three, 400 retailers by the end of this year. We've had those conversations and we've earned the trust with them over the course of not four or five months, but four or five years in doing business with them. And so is it safe to say then you guys won't be acquiring for sort of those retail customers? Because, you know, we, we've seen that, right? We've seen companies kind of step away from POS and then some company in the space will come in because now there's 400 customers that may switch over to the acquiring company. Exactly. The growth through acquisition is a very short-term play. We are here to innovate and grow organically. It takes time. It's hard to do to go from zero to one and make mistakes. But man, again, we have the team to do that. We've proven that time and time again with e-commerce, with advertisement, and we're going to do it again with point of sale. And we can't do it without partnership with our retailers and we've earned their trust. And now what's beautiful too, Dave, is that we have partners who are willing to test and try things with us because they know in doing so, they're going to get the best product out there. And uh, you know, we have to fulfill our side uh, of the agreement and that's continued to execute and build what, what provides them the most value and solves their biggest problems. So last question for you. When we last spoke to talk about the, the mobile app uh, coming out, that was in December, you know, call it now we're about six months later. Um, tell me about headcount. Uh, have you guys grown? Say the same. How's that look? We, we've grown. Um, we went through a pretty major growth spurt in 22, where we went from about 100 employees to 200. We're still sitting around 200 employees. We don't have to really put any other headcount onto the business for the next couple of years. Um, with intention. So now it's continuing to build um, and getting through profitability here in the next year or two, which is exciting. So tracking toward profitability for that next year or two? Oh, yeah. It's now or never, man. That's it, right? So, All right, so I shouldn't expect to see another round of, of funding from you? No, unless unless you want to invest, they will make room. <laughs> Sounds good. But if you do, then I'll have to have you back on the podcast. All right. Deal. All right. Appreciate it, Sai.
All right, brother. Thanks for everything, man.